In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Or other ways to translate it is the darkness did not overcome it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, but those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is John the Apostle writing. And we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness... We have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. May God bless his word. Well, let me say good morning, good afternoon um, from over here. And um, let me start with a question. I wonder how many of you realize that Christmas is just around the corner. Now, I'm only joking. We know that it is. But um, it won't be long until we celebrate Christmas all over the world and nations that, that certainly accept it. And so my sermon this morning is entitled Jesus' Birth That Was Foretold and Then Fulfilled. Uh, the other thing is rejoicing for the reason for the season. Uh, that's an expression you often hear. Now, we are going to celebrate all around the world, especially Christians. But you know, the sad thing is that there are many people who do not celebrate 
the event, the real reason for Christmas. Um, they have a, a, just a, a secular way of celebrating. Uh, some see it as a time to give gifts, and many see it as a time to eat far too much food. But for a lot of people, that's all Christmas is all about. So a very important question is, why do Christians celebrate? Um, why do we celebrate the season that God sent his son, who was a living gift to the world? And we read in John 3, verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. And then John 1, 11 to 13, uh, and we've had that reading, but he came to his own, and those who were with his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But many, many people, and particularly in New Zealand, this is our summer season, and so Christmas is just a holiday, not a holy day, as the Christian world would love to, to have it. Uh, it's a time for the retailers to make lots of money, and many, many do. Now, last year, when we were in Japan at this time of the year, uh, we noticed that from mid-November onwards, we heard many carols and Christmas songs in the shops as we would walk along through Kichijoji, we heard Christian music and secular Christmas music being played. Then we also went and visited areas that were famous around Tokyo for their Christmas lights. But, you know, the sad part is that despite the wonderful lights, there's nothing ever said about the real meaning of Christmas. It's a celebration, but it's a secular one. Now, our street uh, in where we live is known in our area as the Christmas Light Street. Now, I haven't got any photos, but most of the houses uh, decorate their homes with magnificent lights. Now, this year, one of our neighbours even brought a helicopter that he has and put it on the front lawn, put Father Christmas in it, and decorated his helicopter up with Christmas lights. Um, and that, that looked really amazing. But, you know... The sad thing is that many people miss the real reason for Christmas that the Christian community celebrates. Um, now, you may be put in a position by someone. You might have a friend, member of your family, um, who really worships perhaps a man-made God, and they could ask you a question. How do you prove that Jesus Christ was real? There's a lot of people don't understand who Jesus is. And so I thought that this morning we need an answer. We need to be able to prove. We need to be able to say, hey, this is how Jesus Christ, we know he is true. Um, and we can have confidence 2,000 years after the event that, that we celebrate the birth of a man who became Jesus Christ and that it's actually a true story. Now, to get this confirmation, we need to travel back in time before the birth of Christ to get answers. We need to go and see where 
and how we can prove it. And how do they do that in the Bible? Well, his birth was prophesied. It was very accurately foretold in many, many prophecies that are found, especially in the Old Testament, before he came. Now, there's even prophecies that came in Scripture that were later verified by secular writers as they looked at history. And these prophecies help us to confirm and say, yes, the birth of Christ was true. Now, we know that the Old Testament was written over many hundreds of years before the time of Christ, but it contains 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah. We all know that from our own experience, we just can't prophesy. You try and prophesy something that will happen tomorrow in your life or make it a bit harder next week or even 12 months ahead. Um, we can't do it. We just, we can guess, but we can't actually prophesy with huge accuracy. Now, we see the evidence of that all the time. Uh, we even see that the experts struggle to prophesy. Now, last year, just over a year ago, we had a serious event in New Zealand Offshore, there is a volcanic island called White Island. And many, many tourists go out to visit this island. It's always smoking and steaming away. And there were 43 tourists on the island that day. And suddenly, the island, the center of the island, exploded with basically molten rock and hot gases. And sadly, 25 people who were visiting the island with the group lost their lives. Now, scientists had been monitoring the island and they were trying to predict if there was going to be any eruptions. It's been a, a number of years since there's been a serious one. But even they couldn't come up and say, hey, tomorrow, keep off the island because it's looking dangerous. And so even experts can't prophesy and get things right. But listen to this. Biblical prophecy told accurately, very accurately, many, many years before that Jesus' birth was going to happen, that it was a unique prophecy where he would be born and the events that took place at the time and his role on earth. And this is the amazing thing. This is what you can tell people. Hey, all this prophecy came true. And I guess if you look at your own life, the further evidence that Jesus' birth was true and things, and he came to change lives, that he impacted many, it could be your story. You may have been impacted by coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your own story could confirm that Jesus Christ was real. And nobody can argue with your story. So we need to say who inspired these prophecies. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, All scripture is inspired by God. Maybe written by men, but it's inspired by God. And it's beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so our scriptures are inspired. They're inspired well before the event, and we can trust them. Now this morning, or your, your morning, my afternoon, we're going to look at six prophecies that were told in advance of Jesus' birth. Now, on the front page of your uh, little newsletter, 
I have put six points and I've given you the scripture references. Now, you can study that yourself, but you can give a good account of the birth of Jesus um, just using those scriptures because they've been proven to be true. And so the first prophecy we'll look at is, and it's quite a hard one to think about this one, but what family line would Jesus come from? What would, be his, what would be his lineage? Now, the first prophecy that was given was way back, and it was by Abraham. It was in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, chapter 22, verse 18. And this is what it says. Now, remember, this was a long, long time, right at the beginning of Scripture. And it says, In your seed, all the nations of earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And the promise of this global blessing had to come through Abraham's family tree. And this prophecy was fulfilled 1,760-odd years later. That's a long time to be fulfilled, but it was true. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 tells us, opens with these words, The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham and finishes the genealogy in verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. And so the first prophecy given centuries before was fulfilled because Jesus did come through Abraham's family tree. Now the second prophecy, and we read this a lot in scripture, but who would give birth to Jesus? Where would he come from? The actual prophecy was given 700 years before his birth. Now, remember I said before, you couldn't even prophesy what was accurately going to happen in a week's time. And yet 700 years before his birth, Isaiah 7.14 prophesies that it will be a virgin. And it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. Now, 700 years later, this prophecy was fulfilled with incredible accuracy. In Matthew 1, verse 18 to 23, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing story that must have been to him. Took his fear away. And it goes on, She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Remember, this was 700 years before it actually uh, that it was prophesied, but retold in Matthew. And we read here now, All this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive 
and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Also, we read in Luke 1.35, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus Christ had no natural father, but he was conceived by Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit, just as was prophesied 700 years before. Then we come to the third prophecy. We've talked about this this morning in the readings. Where would the birth of Jesus take place? Now, in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, there is a prophecy that reveals that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of Jesus, the Messiah. You know, that prophecy eliminates all other cities and towns throughout the world as a place from which Jesus would be born. It narrows the possibility down to a very tiny village near Jerusalem. Now, I hope you're beginning to get the picture of these prophecies. They were so far ahead of the actual event that humanly it was not possible to be so accurate. And it was inspired by God and written down in great faith. You imagine the writers had to listen and think, what is God saying here? And then have the courage to write it down and bless them that they did because we can now use those prophecies to, with strength, say, yeah, Jesus was born. Now, Jesus' birthplace, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, wrote this in 742 BC. And it says, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, but from you one will come forth from me to be the ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Now that prophecy, given 700 years later, it was confirmed and it was true. And Matthew 20, chapter 2, verse 1, tells us it was a very accurate prophecy because it says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea, in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Again, you try and tell me what's going to happen even in Japan, around us, around the world. Uh, we never, ever thought COVID would be a problem. Um, and yet, 700 years, that's the confidence that we can have with biblical prophecy. But then it goes to the next stage. It says, who would be present at Jesus' birth? Now, prophecy tells us that Jesus would be worshipped and presented with gifts at his birth. And we read this in Psalms, chapter 72, verse 10. The western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. Now, we're not sure, as we, as we talked about this morning, the exact date, whether it was at the birth or it could have been a year or even up to two years nearly later. But it was fulfilled when the Magi who visited Jesus brought him gifts and bowed and worshipped him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they 
opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we're also told that he'd be worshipped by shepherds. And back and again in Psalm 72, verse 9, desert nomads will bow before him. His enemy will fall before him in the dust. Now, the shepherds were nomads. They, they, they drifted around from place to place with their sheep. But they're also, um, in the society that they lived in, regarded as probably the poorest and the least of the society. Um, as we know, that society puts levels on people. And, but the shepherds came right at the bottom. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But this prophecy was fulfilled when the angels came to the shepherds to tell them the good news of Christ's birth. And they hurried to find him and worship him. Luke 2, verses 12 and 17, the angels said, This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby clothed in cloths, lying in a manger. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And so again, another prophecy that the wise men and the shepherds would worship him. And that was fulfilled. And of course, was, why did the angels come and tell the shepherds? Well, as I said, the shepherds were regarded as probably the, the bottom rung uh, in, in, our, in the society that they lived in. And isn't it amazing that God came, told the shepherds, hey, there has been someone born who potentially and in the future is going to save you. He gave them an incredible message. Now, that must have meant a huge amount to them, but what it tells us is that God is vitally interested in us. It doesn't matter what part of society we come in, but he welcomes us, he loves us, he cares for us. God doesn't have favorites in society like society likes to create. And so telling the shepherds was a very interesting thing to do. But then we come to the fifth prophecy, and this is quite a sad one. There would be great sorrow surrounding the time of his birth, and many children would be killed. And we read this in Jeremiah 31, verse 15. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Now, this prophecy was fulfilled uh, when Herod's cruel scheme to kill Jesus didn't work. And uh, we've talked about, Kent has talked about this. And he maliciously ordered that all baby boys living near Bethlehem, two years old and younger, be put to death. Now, that is probably within the time frame that the Magi came. So he knew that within two years, if he took the babies out, he would probably get Jesus in Matthew 2, verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Jerusalem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi. 
then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. So it's amazing how these prophecies were fulfilled with incredible accuracy. There is a final pro uh, prophecy that Jesus the Messiah will end up in Egypt. Now this prophecy was originally made as a statement of history. God had called and brought Israel out of Egypt. We know that. But Hosea 11 verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And this prophecy was fulfilled when God sent an angel to awaken Joseph in the night and warned him of Herod's plan to kill all the boys under two. Matthew 2, 13 to 15. An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and Mary, his mother, during the night and left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, Jesus was a unique saviour. Uh, and I guess while thinking about the circumstances surrounding Christ's birth, Christians can rejoice that the Messiah has come to earth and dealt with our sin. We can praise God fulfilling his promises and we can have complete confidence that he'll always be faithful to do what he has declared. Let me say that again. You can be confident with God that what he has said, what he has written down, the prophecies he has given, he will be faithful as he was all the time from Abraham right through to the birth of Jesus Christ. He was faithful to what he had told people to write down. And you know, there are many prophecies that were perfectly fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. You see, they were not just lucky guesses. They were very precise prophecies made by the all-knowing God of the Bible who repeatedly demonstrated that he has perfect knowledge of all past, present, and future events. Now, this is very important because we hear a lot about future times. We read things in Scripture about the end times, and we can be completely confident as a Christian. You can be confident that he will always make good on his promises and that future events he has foretold will certainly come to pass. So never read a future prophecy about what is going to happen and think, oh, that won't happen. You can be confident because God has shown through Scripture that what he prophesies and tells people to write down do come true. Now, 2,000 years ago, it's hard to imagine that thing, that Jesus came in a very humble manner. He was the saviour of the world and God of all creation, but he was put on humanity to die for our sins. He gave his life to pay the blood sacrifice that God required. And he conquered death. He defeated the power of Satan. And he gave all of us the hope of salvation if we turned from our sin and believed on and in him. And the Bible continues to prophesy 
that one day he will return, but he will return in judgment. He will not appear just as a seemingly helpless baby, but as a risen, glorified, sovereign Lord and judge. So Jesus Christ is coming back, but he's coming back in power and authority, and the whole world will see him when he comes back. Now this leads me to what I believe is a very, very important question. And only you personally can answer this. What will it be like for you when Jesus Christ returns? Will you be safe and secure because you have been saved by his death on the cross that you've asked for and received forgiveness for your sins and that you know you have eternal life? Will that make you feel secure? Because it should do. Or alternatively, will you tremble in fear before the holy and righteous Jesus Christ as you are condemned for rejecting this gracious offer of salvation? So there's only two camps you can be in. You can be in the rejoicing Christian belief camp where you have given your life over to Jesus Christ. You have served him, that you have received forgiveness from God. You've been accepted into God's family you've been redeemed, or you can be in fear. I know which camp I'd rather be in because this is prophesied and we know that it's going to happen. You see, we all have a choice to make, and I believe it's a real life-saving question. Do we accept Jesus Christ as God's Son who came into the world 2,000 years ago or not? Um, you go and talk to people in the street, Many would say, well, no, we don't. Um, they'll celebrate a secular Christmas. They'll put all the lights around. They'll have maybe lots of food and maybe give presents. But they're missing the real point of Christmas. Now, here's a challenge. If you haven't ever received Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, if you've never experienced the joy and the peace of knowing that you have been forgiven, that before a holy God you can stand and you can, you're part of his family, um, why not ask Jesus Christ at the season who was born on that far-off Christmas day to be your saviour and to be your friend? He will give you, God gives us his Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, to give us confidence. And boy, we need that in this time of COVID. We need to have someone who cares for us and nothing like God's care. Um, you've got to experience it to really understand it. I believe that if you're not a Christian, you need to ask God's forgiveness for the sins that have kept you separated from him. And he'll gladly forgive you. And then he'll say, now begin serving Jesus Christ. Begin living out your faith. Listen to the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and taking you on a journey through life. Being accepted into God's family for eternity is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. You may get Christmas gifts, but they'll soon wear out. But we know that the gift of salvation never wears out. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And we know that you've got to ask the forgiveness and God readily gives that when we do ask. Now, as we said at the beginning, 
many have turned the birth of Jesus Christ into a day of simply giving presents um, for maybe celebrating. Now, maybe in Japan you don't do that, but certainly in New Zealand, um, it's, it's a national holiday and everybody celebrates with good food and gifts and spend a lot of money on gifts that soon wear out, but they won't recognize why we celebrate Christmas. You see, Jesus is the reason for the season. And if you are a born-again believer, you can truly celebrate this wonderful event. You can sing the Christmas songs with joy. You can read the Christmas story with joy. And I just hope that that is your position, that this Christmas will be a wonderful celebration because of your faith in Jesus Christ and bless you in your journey. So now I'll hand back. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I, I would pray for anyone who's listening to this message, Lord, that they will understand that Jesus Christ came as a gift to the world to, to bring uh, hope, uh, to bring saving knowledge, to bring the ability to come before his Father God uh, as a saved, redeemed person, to live eternity uh, in the joy of living in his kingdom. I thank you that Jesus came down to earth, that he gave up his kingly position in heaven, came down and had to endure for 33 years the fact of living with us. I thank you for the wonderful example you were. I thank you for the amazing message, the way you brought people healing and restoration and renewal, and the fact that you were not, uh, as we've heard the even the religious people didn't accept you at your birth, but we can, and we can know salvation and joy. And I just thank you for the most amazing gift you were to each one of us who, who love you, who care for you, and have been saved by you through your grace. I thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.